Hi, my name is Emily Sheedy. I'm a new Media Lab student, and today we have a guest to talk about our topic. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Ken Hackler. I'm program director and faculty for the Automated Technology Program. We do robotics, uh, automated equipment, and stuff like that. Cool. Do you know why we asked you here today? I guess you wanted to talk about autism. Yes, we and did. How how it affects people, how do we work with them at the college. What is your connection to autism? I have a 23-year-old son with autism. He was diagnosed at three years old, so I've had 20 years of, uh, of experience uh, firsthand. So he was considered pretty low-functioning when we was first diagnosed, and low-functioning a lot of times is no, uh, no verbal skills. So he, had, he actually was late onset, which means he wasn't autistic at birth, Developed normally a little, uh, a little slightly slower, but then in about age two and a half, he fell off a cliff and went to having no eye contact and uh, maybe five to ten words after you know having hundreds of words of vocab, well not hundreds, over a hundred words of vocabulary at that point, and so it kind of started our journey with autism and uh, uh, from uh, early intervention, which is a huge thing to get them working with professionals. Uh, to get them out of their, fo- I mean, because they almost go into a cave where they don't want to work with other people, they don't want to respond, they don't want to interact, and so we did an early intervention program that was super expensive at the time, and uh, and basically one-on-one uh, for a number of years. And then, you know, kind of jumping forward, he uh, started it uh, in the Maricopa Community College system uh, four years ago. And primarily at Paradise Valley, because that's up where we live at, but he's also taking classes here at Mesa. He just finished a couple classes last few semesters, and then he just transitioned to ASU. This is first semester at Arizona State at the Polytech campus. Oh, okay. I know you work here, too. Do you have any connections to education at all or ever had any students with autism? I have not had uh, students with autism, but working with my son uh, through the Disability Resource Center and stuff like that. So... Even if I, I started teaching at uh, the Maricopa Colleges about two years ago. So my son, like I mentioned, had been in uh, schools uh, for the last four years at Maricopa. And so we, uh, one of the first things we did was uh, meet with the Disability Resource Center, and they helped the students get accommodations. So they, the students still have to do the same work. It's not like you can give them less work, uh, but you can, they can get additional test time. They can... Uh, have private areas, get preferred seating. Uh, they can get additional time for assignments if, if necessary. You know, a lot of that stuff all depends on the severity of, of where they're at and the accommodation they ask for. They can get note takers. Uh, so I do have, uh, I haven't personally had uh, any student with a disability in my classes, but one of my other uh, classes that we have, we actually had a student that was deaf and they brought in somebody to sign for them while he was taking the class. It was actually for uh, soldering semiconductors. Oh, okay. So there's a lot, a lot of resources to support anybody that has uh, struggles. Uh, but, you know, like I said, with my son having autism, uh, we did a lot of accommodations. And him just transferring to ASU, they have a similar program, too, where he's going to get additional. Uh, they normally give you like 50% more time on quizzes and tests and stuff like that. So you still have to do the same work because you can't let somebody do less work. That's not what the intent is. It's just to help them be successful and give them additional support. Do they have the same accommodations um, in high school or is this like freshly new for him? No, they have accommodations in high school too. So okay. that's how we were, we were familiar with it. And actually, they have accommodations all the way starting from when they're young. My son originally was in a 
like a, cause he was fairly, he, by the time he got to kindergarten, we had done a lot of uh, intervention, a lot of different therapies. And so he was uh, in a, in more of a class that for children had speech issues. Mm-hmm. And then he would go into uh, typical classrooms as they call it, the typical and non-typical, right? So we get these, all these terms uh, that of course they don't like to, they don't like to hear. Um, yeah. So it's like when we finally got to a point where we were going to uh, tell him he had autism because we never really had that conversation until he was about seven, eight years old. And we found a book and it kind of compared, because uh, he loved computers, and it compared him having a different operating system. So just like one computer's got iOS or it's got Windows or something like that, uh, it was talking about his how his operating system worked differently. He viewed the world differently. Um, struggles with, uh, you know, uh, social skills, uh, reading comprehension. But when he was young, he didn't understand what an idiom was, which I didn't even know what an idiom meant, but it's something like the apple of your eye or raining cats and dogs. If you said it's raining cats and dogs, he would walk outside and look up in the air and see where the cats and dogs were coming. Yeah, very literal. Very literal. And then when they, you know, go to read a book and if a dog is talking, they, they don't, he didn't understand why a dog's can't talk. That's, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things that they face in education. And we as faculty, you know, like I said, I've been on the parent side, but I've, uh, I've, since we have a guardianship, I'm able to talk with the instructors. And when he struggles, you know, we'll have meetings with the instructors and, uh, we had a, he was doing, uh, uh, IT classes here and two of the instructors were super helpful and spent extra time with him. And it's not that he couldn't learn. He just needed to look at things a, a little differently than, than, you know, a typical person. Yeah. Just a little extra help. Mm-hmm. What are some benefits that students with autism bring into education in your opinion? Well, when they love something, they love it. <laughs> I mean, you know, so if you, if you, if you're fortunate to get somebody with autism that really enjoys what you're teaching, mm-hmm. they're very passionate, you know, you almost have to throttle them back. My son, you know, he really loves ele- elevators and escalators. He's got, you can go on YouTube and he's posted all kinds <laughs> of, yeah. and there's a bunch of people out there that, you know, that, that love the same thing. It's kind of interesting. So, but I think that's what they can really benefit. Uh, also, uh, they they can challenge you as 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 an instructor faculty to bring out uh, somebody's personality to get them to speak more to be engaged more because they will have a tendency to kind of pull back mm-hmm. uh, unless they're super passionate about it. So, but they 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 bring a different perspective too than and everybody else, and they 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 bring things up that a lot of us don't think about, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it can, it's super beneficial from that aspect. Yeah, I think that's what education is all about, is being able to teach everybody and give everyone a chance to learn. What can faculty learn from students with autism, in your opinion? Well, I think what I was just speaking about, yeah. about uh, it, can, it can challenge you to look at things in a different way, to try different avenues to get people to be successful. Primarily, you're, uh, you're going to have a struggle getting them en- engaged as often, or to speak up, or to ask questions. So, you know, how do you put them in group projects? How do you, uh, get them to, uh, you know, participate, uh, which, you know, a lot of typical people have that same issue too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but it, it, it's, it brings a challenge to, uh, organize the classroom differently to sometimes like the IT uh, faculty did to spend some extra time. And then it can help you, you know, tweak your, your presentations, your delivery, uh, to, you know, cover all different types of uh, learning skills because mm-hmm. not all of us learn the same way, whether we have autism or not. Right. Yeah, exactly. What are some struggles 
that students with autism deal with and how do you think that they should be addressed? Back to the, the, the group, working in a group, they are not going to, like my son, a lot of, not, not on, but speaking from my son's perspective, mm-hmm. unless the instructor organizes group projects or get them working together, he won't do that. And so he misses out on a lot of, uh, of experiences from other people, anything from friendships to uh, he tries to do everything on his own versus mm-hmm. trying to, I mean, because a lot of us, you know, when we were going to school, we'd get study groups, right? We try to get with people that have uh, similar skills or maybe somebody's higher level in one class, not the other. And, and uh, we would do that. So they will not reach out and do that. So I think any faculty who has uh, somebody with autism or you just have somebody who isn't, hasn't even asked for uh, some disability support, because I, I, get, I get students in my classes that struggle, and I try to put them, and I've got, I've got age groups all over that. I get people from 50 years old down to 18 years old in my classroom because people, some people are coming back. Uh, some people come right out of high school. So I have people that have experience in the industry, and I will take uh, anybody who's struggling and match them up and give the opportunity for somebody with more experience to support them. Not that I'm trying to get them to do my job, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my labs get very busy and I'm jumping around and I don't have the time to help every single student, you know, every minute of the time. Mm-hmm. Socially, are there any struggles that he has faced that you want to address? Yeah, it's, it's the whole social skills. Uh, my son really doesn't have friends, so mm-hmm. yeah, we, we hang out all the time and which I enjoy the company, but I'm super social, super outgoing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like over the top outgoing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and to see him, you know, uh, not have that uh, opportunity to have the friendships and and things like that. So we've done, we try a lot of different things with uh, uh, trying to get him into different programs, doing other type of activities. Uh, so I think the more you can get them engaged with other people and get friendships, uh, the better off they'll be. It's ironic because, you know, anybody who has a low functioning, so low functioning is considered, you know, nonverbal, no eye contact, probably, you know, will never move out of the house. They look at people like us and have a high functioning child and think, oh, you got it made, right? But, uh, you know, he never had a girlfriend, you know, he's never been on a date. He, there's a lot of things he hasn't experienced at 23 years old and, 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 they, uh, and they can struggle too because we've known of people who have high functioning uh, uh, autistic uh, mid as they become an adult who have had a lot of socialism even up to uh, to suicide because of the fact that they know what they're missing mm-hmm. but they don't know how to get it where yeah. somebody's loop, very low functioning they they don't see the world that way they just you know they're, it's right there and whatever their parents are you know helping them with uh, so it's it's you know none of us have it easy there's different uh, there's different mm-hmm. struggles for all of us so. I wish I could fix that piece. I love the way he thinks about things sometimes because it is different, but that's the only piece I would really fix about him is that he could have uh, friendships a lot easier because he struggles keeping up with the conversations. You know how we jump around conversations and Mm -hmm. he'll be on three conversations behind and somebody his age 23, they're like, you know, he starts talking about something you already moved past. And so they don't want to talk to him, right? So So those are some of the things I think that, you know, I wish I knew how to fix it. Do you think that there's ever been, and not even just with autism, but with other disabilities that you have seen in the past, a problem with bullying? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we had always done a lot of natural things and finally had to put my son on medication in high school. So 
the people who used to stick up for him once you hit high school, mm-hmm. they're worried about being had that stigma that they're hanging out with the weird kid or the stuff like that. So uh, it's his sophomore in the sophomore junior junior was really bad, uh, a lot of bullying, and uh, you still see it. I mean, people I, I will go out, you know, I get some jerk going, "Oh, what's wrong with you?" Because he has a lot of ticks, you know. Mm-hmm. You got a problem, you know? I mean, these are adults. Yeah. So it's uh, unfortunately it's an, it's inherent in our society and. Another thing I wish you could fix, right? Mm-hmm. Do you wish that like schools educated people more on people with that disability or just disability well, in general? Well, we, we need to because when my son was diagnosed, it was like uh, one in 5,000. Now they say it's down to one to, I think, 250. It might even be lower than that. Mm-hmm. Some form on the spectrum, right? Because it's a huge mm-hmm. wide spectrum. Anything to, uh, to Asperger, which is the highest functioning, it actually used to not even be considered ASD, autism spectrum disorder, uh, but they've kind of brought that un- under the umbrella also. So we got to do something because the sheer cost, because uh, my son gets state benefits, he, you know, they're actually, his, his college is actually being paid for through oh, vocational okay. rehabilitation, which is great, right? But yeah. if, how are we going to pay for all that? You know, why, if, if the numbers, the sheer numbers of people with autism are like that, you know, we need to address something. We need to figure out a root cause because you're going to have a, a multiple generations of, of people with these characteristics that struggle to be successful and they become adults. And then what's going to happen to them after their parents pass away. And, you know, it's, that's some of the concerns we have too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happening next? Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to this interview? Well, I, I think it's great that you're, you know, bringing this up, not just for people with autism, anybody who mm-hmm. has disabilities that needs additional support. Uh, we need to understand that they offer great assets and we need to help them be successful along with trying to figure out why we're having these huge numbers, right? So there's, it's, it's a multi-pronged approach, but for, for us here and, you know, at the college level at uh, Mesa, we need to support all students with disabilities, try to understand, educate more and, uh, you know, just raise their awareness and, and bring out the best in everybody. My, my program has zero barrier to entrance. They don't have to take math. They don't have to take English tests. They have nothing. They can come right in. And I've got people who are 40, 50 years old that I have to reteach or they have three element algebra because that's the most complex we do with Ohm's laws and stuff like that. So it's, so we've, I mean, even though I haven't had anybody identified as having a disability in my class, we're constantly working uh, myself and the other faculty with people that struggle. And so I just pull them one-to-one. I don't talk about what their issues are or anything like that. I just say, I know you're struggling. Uh, what has been successful for you in the past? Uh, these are some things that I've tried. Uh, I have a son with autism, not, and I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying I, I, we've had to find so many different ways to approach uh, learning styles from working with him. So I just go, I don't worry about that because I don't ask them questions if they have issues or anything. I just go directly to them and and start working with them and asking them questions and uh, that how have they been successful in the past? And if they haven't, they say, I've never been successful. Then I try to look at different strategies. So even though I teach a very uh, a technical uh, program, I've started integrating Dr. McGuire. You feel Dr. McGuire who does the, she just blooms technology and, you know, a lot of different, different learning styles, how you things. And I do a presentation at the start of uh, the 100 level classes I have for, for all the classes to talk about some different strategies for, for reading comprehension, for different things like that. So I, I started incorporating that uh, a year ago just to try to give them some additional resources and stuff like that. Cause I know 
50% of my students are going to struggle, even though none of them have autism or have a disability. They just, they're coming back or they're doing the program because they, it has zero barrier to entry and has a huge upside in salary. I mean, like huge potential in salary for, for the program. So I did have a couple more questions then kind of outside of the education topic. Um, are there any rights just in general that you think should be in place for people with autism or just disabilities in general that aren't already? Well, we've got all the federal, we've got all the federal requirements and, you know, uh, accessibility and that you have to make accommodations, but you can't fix, you know, people making judgments. I, I, I don't know how we can legislate that. So my center is my son just had to do a career fair online. He's taken a, it's kind of a cool class. It's a one credit class. It's transitioning. It's when you're a transfer student. So take a one credit class that kind of goes through about everything about ASU and then the struggles you may have and how to go get support. And he had to do a, an online career fair. And I, uh, we looked at all the companies that are going to be in there and two of them specifically had internships. And so he broke out on a one-on-one. And like I said, my son has a lot of ticks and facial stuff. And both of the companies said, oh, I, I don't think we have any right now. I'll get back to you. So I know that they made a judgment based upon, because they specifically stated that they had internships available in IT. Yeah. Uh, he's not looking for one this summer. It's just, he had to write a paper about the process to, you know, start learning. So I, I don't know what you can do to legislate. I mean, we've got pretty much everything on the books as far as supporting disabilities, but it's what you've talked, what we've talked about earlier. It's education, awareness, mm-hmm. getting people to, to think differently about, about people uh, who have any type of disability. And mm-hmm. so I, and also making it less of a taboo topic, like it's a very normal thing, a very common thing, yeah. especially kinda in like, education. Kind of like when I got COVID, like in October 2020, it was like everybody acted like you had some disease and you did I something know. wrong, right? Like that was one of the early people. <laughs> choking on water and I didn't want to like <laughs> cough and scare people. <laughs> I, know, I know. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's we're people who are quick to judge. I mean, we all have that. We all have our prejudices and judgments and it's based upon where we come from and what we do, but we've got to, you know, we have to continue to educate ourselves or educate others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and make known that our differences, like there's so many differences between people, and because we're so judgmental of it, it's because we're not used to it, and we're not like aware that it is very common. Yep. My name is Emily Sheedy. I'm a new student in Media Lab, and you like to give our guest the last word. Is there anything you'd like to say? I appreciate the time and, and trying to expand awareness on autism and disabilities and you know, anything that we can do to, as we just discussed, to and try to uh, educate people, stop them from being so judgmental and try to bring out the best in them or that little slice of genius that we talked about earlier. Thanks again. Thank you for your time. Royalty-free audio, Grinnell Line Dreams, by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can find more of his work at incompetech.com. The Maricopa County Community College District, MCCCD, is an EEOAA institution and an equal opportunity employer of protected veterans and individuals with disabilities. All qualified applicants will receive consideration for employment without regard to race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, or national origin. 
A lack of English language skills will not be a barrier to admission and participation in the career and technical education programs of the district. The Maricopa County Community College District does not discriminate on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, disability, or age in its programs or activities. For Title IX 504 concerns, call the following number to reach the appointed coordinator, 480-731-8499. For additional information, as well as the listing of all coordinators within the Maricopa College System, please visit maricopa.edu slash non-discrimination.